listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Carol Whitaker. And I'm so excited to be kicking off a brand new series tonight, and it's going to be on God's words and why it's important to believe God's words are true. What happens when we simply take him at his word and believe that his words are true. For the next few episodes, I'll be looking at some individuals in the Bible who were given a message from God and looking at their responses to that message and just taking some lessons away from how they reacted and what played out because of their response and just the dif- different circumstances they found themselves in and how, and what we can take away from their situations. I will be looking at tonight Hezekiah and 2 Kings, um, but we, as we're going into the Christmas season, we'll also be looking at some individuals in the actual Christmas story. So that will be part of it. But we are starting tonight in 2 Kings. Before we get to Hezekiah, I want to just talk about, um, quickly share a story with you. But I also want to say in tonight's episode, not only are we talking about Hezekiah in terms of how he reacted to a message that was given to him from the Lord, but we're also going to be focusing on just um, the idea of um, miracles and how um, Hezekiah was in dire need of one. And perhaps if you're listening tonight and you are in a situation where you are not sure you can have hope anymore, that maybe you've been praying for something for years, maybe it's been 10 years, 20 years, or maybe you just are in a situation where you're praying for God to move on your behalf, then this episode, we're really going to be focusing on also not only believing God's words are true, but just the idea of what can happen in terms of miracles, um, looking at what happened in Hezekiah's story, a miracle that God performed on his behalf. I do want to start by telling you years ago when I was pregnant with my oldest, she's now 10. I, before I got pregnant with her, I decided that I was going to be a really good boy mom and that I would probably just have boys. I just thought in my mind that God would give me boys. And I have no idea why I had this idea, probably because I grew up with three sisters. I never had a brother and I kind of had a turbulent emotional time growing up, especially in my adolescent years. And I just didn't know if I could handle some mini me's of myself going through that same emotional drama not to say that boys don't ever go through emotions but i just thought i would bypass that by simply having boys and because you know god doesn't always just do exactly what we we think we need or want he does better far better i actually um found out through my first uh appointment with uh uh, the ultrasound technician um, at tw- 20 weeks when um, they were looking to uh, just see how the baby was progressing 
they also determined that I wasn't having a boy, that I was in fact having a girl. So I had planned in my head a sports scene nursery. I had a name picked out. I was so convinced that I didn't even think I needed to go to the appointment. My husband wasn't so sure. He, he was thinking in the direction more of a girl, but I felt like since I was the one carrying the baby, I surely would have a special feeling about it. I would know, and I just had this hunch, I'm having a boy. But in fact, I was having a girl. So when the ultrasound technician announced this to me, I could not have been more shocked because I had built it up in my mind that it was gonna be one way and it really did not play out that way. And I kept asking, are you sure? And I, I just was so stunned because I wasn't really prepared for the news that she gave us. And the ultrasound technician was looking at me like I was a little strange. She probably felt a little challenged in her position, like I really didn't trust her ability. But it was just because I had gone in with a certain belief about the situation and she completely shattered that. But she showed me the images, she was very patient, and I had to finally relent and say, okay, I'm having a girl. I My hunches had been wrong, the feeling I had was wrong, I was having a girl. and. Honestly, as I look back on that situation years later now that my daughter is 10, I couldn't be more happy that God gave us two girls, not just one. I mean, we, we now have two girls. We have three kids. My middle child is a boy, but God gave me exactly what, what I needed. Um, I thought that I wanted all boys, but I have two girls and I'm so delighted that I do. Um, my oldest is like a little second mama and she helps me with my younger two and I don't know what I would do without her. So I'm really pleased that God knew better than I did and gave me beyond what I wanted, gave me something better. I tell this story because in our faith life, we will receive signs that reveal God's will and purpose as we follow Jesus. And these, by signs, I mean supernatural happenings, just things that occur in our everyday woven in that have no natural explanation. But these are not just hunches or feelings like I had when I was pregnant. They're not just like, oh, I, I feel like this is going to happen. So it is. Um, these are more than that. They're a little more concrete than that that God will communicate to us in ways that are definitely more concrete. And they will be signs that not only provide direction, but encourage us when we're worn out, confirm a word God has given us, or even warn us if we're going down the wrong path. And these might look different for everyone, but for instance, we might be praying about a change in our job and we might be praying about it and then the very day that we pray about it or shortly after we open up an email and we get an offer from a company we didn't even apply to and all of a sudden we have this opportunity in front of us and then we might open up a devotional that same day or the next day which you know it talks about going in a new direction and something in those words just seizes us in our spirit and just confirms, okay, I think God's asking me to take this other job. And then maybe that same day, a, a friend will text us out of the blue, say, hey, I had you on my heart. You know, um, I just felt like I had, you know, this word kept popping in my mind and it was new direction. And have you been considering, you know, changing jobs or, you know, we just might have something happen where some things happen that we have 
no explanation for in the natural, but confirm to us, okay, give us the idea that, okay, God really is asking me here to step out and go in a different direction. Now, this isn't to say that we should just look for things around us and those are always gonna be indicators of what direction to go. Sometimes we get job offers that we have to turn down or sometimes friends will give us advice that we really shouldn't take. But when we are following God, we're walking in His Spirit, we are attempting to hear from Him. He will provide for us the way to go and He will just sort of drop these little things in our everyday that help to guide us or, you know, encourage us or even warn us that, for instance, in our spiritual walk, we might be exhausted and we might be really discouraged, maybe about a health situation that's just not getting any better or about a child that we, you know, are not getting, we don't feel like we're getting through to them, that they're closed off to us or, you know, some kind of marital problem, whatever it is, we might be extremely discouraged and then God will just cheer us up through the line of a song. We'll just, you know, feel his presence when we're listening to something. We might see the same words from the song on a billboard later. Um, or, you know, we might hear, you know, hear it in, a, in a, some lines in a movie, the very same lines. You know, God has very creative ways of communicating with us. But these little supernatural happenings that indicate God's purposes can seem you know, to some, a little intangible, like we would rather have, some of us have God standing in front of us sometimes with like a sign or just standing in front of us saying, go and take a new job, I want you to, right? Or, you know, stand in front of us with whatever it is that we're praying about, that we're unsure about. Sometimes, you know, we do have those questions. Is this really God that's sending this message to me? Am I going in the right way? Am I really hearing from him? Is God really asking me to step out here? And so we do sometimes have those questions, but God will make clear his will to us and walking with Jesus requires that we walk by faith and not by sight. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Though the means by which God reveals himself to us and directs us may seem a little intangible at times. Um, we might remember past times where he missed a cue or we, we didn't take a step um, because we were waiting for further confirmation even after he'd given us. Faith requires that we heed what God tells us and step out as he leads. Hezekiah, as I've been talking about, is a man who is willing to step out in faith. We're going to be reading his story from 2 Kings, and it's verses 1 through 11, which is a little lengthy, but I think it's really important to hear his whole story. And Hezekiah was a man who was not afraid to step out in faith. As a king of Israel, he tore down idols, consulted God on how to lead the kingdom, attempted to walk in upright ways. And yet, even though he attempted to live righteously before God, he was not a king without troubles. And in 2 Kings 1 through 11, we see that he is in a tough situation. So I want to just read it to you and then kind of summarize and pull a few points from it. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to, going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. 
Before Hezekiah left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you in the city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice or treatment of fix. They did so and applied it to the boil and he recovered. Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? Isaiah answered, this is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or shall, shall it go back 10 steps? It is a simple matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps, said Hezekiah. Rather, have it go back 10 steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called in the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back the 10 steps. It had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. I just want to summarize a few points from the passage, if you were not able to get those. But basically, Hezekiah is ill. The prophet Isaiah comes to him, tells him, get your house in order, you're going to die. And Hezekiah is obviously very distressed by the news. He turns his face to the wall. Isaiah um, leaves after the message. Hezekiah prays after Isaiah um, leaves. And as Isaiah is walking out, he hears another word from the Lord when he's in middle court, returns back and tells Hezekiah that the Lord has heard his prayers, that he's going to heal him, extend his life 15 years. And so he's going to do this. And not only is he going to do that, he tells Hezekiah that the sign he will receive is that the sundial on Ahaz's stairwell will go back 10 degrees. And basically during this time, um, they did not have clocks or um, iPhones where you could check the time. So they would use a sundial and they would tell the time by the shadow of the sun where it fell on the sundial would be able to tell the time. There would be a pointer something to mark the time on the sundial and so based on where the shadow fell they would be able to tell that and the stairwell it's not really very clear in the passage this could have been uh, some sort of stairwell where the shadow wherever it fell on the stairwell um, would tell the time but again it's just using the sun to tell time and after um, Isaiah tells him about this sign that he's going to receive, he puts a treatment of figs on Hezekiah's sore. It's, it's some kind of boil. It's not, again, really apparent in the passage what kind of illness Hezekiah is dealing with, but he may have some kind of ulcerous sore. So a few things that we can observe from this story. Number one is Hezekiah acknowledges God is the only one who can help. Hezekiah is obviously in a really bad place. Not only is he ill, but at the time that this is taking place in his kingdom, he is being threatened by neighboring Assyria. And he may have even been under attack when Isaiah came and gave this message 
Again, we don't know those details for sure, but he was either being threatened by Assyria and there was an attack that was going to come or he was under attack at the moment. He had been given a death sentence. Um, Hezekiah was most likely around 39 or 40 years old and he was at the prime of his life. He had started a some plans within the kingdom to reform some of the idolatrous practices but he had many more plans that he hadn't yet accomplished and so when he heard isaiah's announcement that he was going to die he was very distressed by it because he hadn't accomplished the things that he wanted to he was not yet finished with his plans for the kingdom his kingdom was under attack or going to be attacked and he had no heir to the throne. He did not want to leave the kingdom in such an unsettled place. Also, in this view, Jewish culture, the view was that if you did not live a long life, that you had somehow displeased God. And so Hezekiah, of course, was was concerned about all of these things, turned his face to the wall. He had no hope in his situation. He was given basically, you know, news of his impending death. So he did the one thing he could do. He turned to the Lord. And so often in our place of want or need, when we need a miracle from God, we need him to act on our behalf. We just get sad or angry in our situation. But here we we see that Hezekiah shows us that we need to turn to the only one who can rescue us in our distress. Distress. The second idea we can take away from this passage is Hezekiah. Kaya, he participates in the process of his miracle. Though it's clear in this passage that the miracle of Hezekiah's healing would come from the Lord, God still required an action of faith. Isaiah was to lay a poultice or treatment of figs on the area, the sore that he had. Notice something from the passage. The treatment was applied after Isaiah announced that the Lord planned to heal him. So the obvious question is, if God had already said he would heal Hezekiah, why was such an action necessary? Why did they need figs if God could heal him supernaturally and plan to heal him? So what I think we could take away from this is while God can do whatever he wants in whatever way he wants at times, we are asked to participate in the process of our healing or the miracle that God gives us. If God has given us a directive in a situation, our miracle comes when we step out and obey what he asks. Like the lame man at the pool of Bethesda that was asked to stir himself at Christ's command, that's in John 5, um, the blind man who was instructed to wash his eyes in the pool, that's John 9, and Naaman in 2 Kings 5, he was asked to go wash himself seven times in the Jordan River to be healed. So like all of these individuals demonstrate, God will at times heal through some sort of prescription. So telling someone to step out in some sort of action of faith as he does with Hezekiah here. I love what commentator Matthew Henry explains about this and he, he just says, we do not trust God, but tempt him if when we pray to him for help, we do not second our prayers with our endeavors. Help thyself and God will help thee. So he says this in his commentary of the, actually the account is also found in Isaiah 38. And I believe that's where this is from. 
where Matthew Henry says this. But in other words, if God has given us something to do that we can do in a circumstance, we should do what he says, understanding our action in and of itself will not perform the healing or miracle, but God will act in response to our faith. So it's this idea of often we're praying about a situation and we have just this thought that, you know, odd thing that pops up that we believe is from the Lord. We keep on hearing, you know, we believe we're supposed to send this email to someone, or we feel like we're supposed to talk to this neighbor, or we feel like God is asking us to step away from a particular position. And we're thinking, this has nothing to do with what we're praying about. Often it will just seem like this action that's completely unrelated to whatever it is our goal is in a situation. Maybe we're hoping for something, praying for something, hoping for a certain outcome. And yet it's these small acts of faith that just seem completely irrelevant at times that God acts um, in response to us when we step out in faith. So if we have a, a directive from God in a situation, then we should go ahead and do that small thing, however small it seems, and then see what he does on our behalf. The third thing I want to pull away from this passage is Hezekiah asked for a sign because of his faith, not because he lacks it. People ask for signs for different reasons in the Bible, but What's interesting to note is that God honors those who ask for a sign because they believe and desire confirmation, not those who ask for a sign in order to believe. We see that there are some individuals in the Bible that simply did not believe and wanted a sign to sort of prove something. And that's different than asking for a confirmation and asking for a sign because we do believe God, but we need a confirmation about you know, where to go, or we want to be 100%, you know, certain we're stepping out in the right way. That's different than asking for a sign out of unbelief. So Hezekiah asked how he could know that the Lord will heal him and join the assembly once again before he is healed. But he asked the question for a confirmation of the prophet's words. His question does not come out of a believing heart. So unbelieving heart, excuse me. So in this, um, passage, we it's clear that Hezekiah knows God is the only one who can save him from his situation and his actions from start to finish indicate a dependence on God. He is willing to step out and do what God says in order to receive his miracle and he does not fall into unbelief. He could have easily laughed at Isaiah when Isaiah came back a second time and told him his life had been extended. What, what if he had done that? What if he said, you know what, that's impossible. Or what if he had um, told him that it was impossible for um, such a procedure as the figs to help? What if he had just said, you know what? This isn't going to make any difference. I'm not doing it. No way. Or what if he had scoffed at the sign of the sundial moving backwards and refused to accept that such a sign be possible? He did none of those things. Rather, he assumed the words of God were true and carefully submitted himself to God in the process of his healing. And just to mention the sundial once again, just so you know what kind of sign God provided, I mentioned it briefly sort of as I was explaining the um, the passage, but if we really recognize what had to happen for that sundial shadow to move, it doesn't really tell us, but either the sun had to move in its position in the sky. So God either moved the sun in its position so that the shadow fell 
and went backwards 10 degrees, or God simply moved the shadow. And we don't know if he did it instantly, if he allowed it to go back the same amount of time that it would take for it to go forward. But this in and of itself is entirely impossible. Um, but God provided that as confirmation that he would heal Hezekiah. And so in his song of thanksgiving, after his healed, Hezekiah says these words, what shall I say? He has spoken unto me. He himself has done it. And this is um, recorded in the Isaiah 38 account. But in other words, Hezekiah notes that God alone is responsible for his healing. What God said he would do, he did do. Hezekiah merely believes, and yes, this is an active belief because it affects his actions, right? He he allows um, Isaiah to apply figs to his boil. He trusts, you know, the whole time 100% in the truth of what God says and praises God afterward for what God has done on his behalf. Which leads me to my final point that we can draw from this passage. We need to share with others what God has done for us. What we see throughout scripture is concerned by God, not only for individuals, but concern for the greater community. So for example, God chose Israel to be his chosen people so that they could be a light to the rest of the world. Also in this passage, we see God is concerned not just with, with Hezekiah's life and his healing, but with defending Jerusalem against the Assyrian threat. So Hezekiah in his recovery will positively impact not only will it be something that obviously is going to change his life and extending his life, but it will be that which benefits his kingdom. So similarly, we can look at that and say, okay, the struggles we go through, they are deeply personal. They feel like they're just affecting us alone, but they, you know, our struggles are those that can impact others when we share our story and God's intervention on our behalf. Therefore, as we see Hezekiah doing with, um, within his story, and it's, obviously it gives more details about this in the Isaiah account, but we need to publicly praise God for what he does in our life. Though it's not included here, we can see in Isaiah a song that Hezekiah pens in Isaiah 30, 38, the song records the trial he went through and what God has done on his behalf. It was apparently pretty common at this time for people to, um, I know David, for instance, um, penned songs of thanksgiving in response to a great work of God. But we see here that Hezekiah authored this so that it could be hung where others could see it, where others could sing it. And he was resolved to spread the story of God's goodness to him by telling others about the miracles God had performed on his behalf. And that also similarly, we can take away, you know, that we should tell others what God has done for us. We'll, we aren't talking about it in this episode, but one of the future episodes I'm doing will focus on the shepherds. And in Luke 2.20, there's just this line that, that really popped out at me that I believe that the Holy Spirit just kind of raised to my attention, but it says the shepherds, this is after the shepherds have been told by the angels to go, that there's a child that's been born. He's the Messiah. They go to see him. And then there's just this one line in Luke 2:20 where it says the shepherds return glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 
So just this idea of praising God when they witnessed exactly what he said would was going to be there when they realized his words were 100% true. And so we see that in Hezekiah's story as well. And just recently at our church, we had a family who visited who um, they got in a horrible car accident, hit by a drunk driver. All four of them, there's their son and a daughter. They were teenagers at the time. Well, actually, the son, I believe, was around 11. The, the daughter was 15, but they were hit by this drunk driver eight, going 85. They survived the accident, even though they were all in the hospital for three months or maybe even longer than that after the accident. And the daughter, in particular, went into a coma and struggled the most. Um, but she came out of her coma, even though she was expected to die. Um, the family all lived and now they go around and they share the story of their miraculous recovery and just share, uh, you know, Jesus with others and the complications. There are some health complications that are still there. The daughter, for instance, is kind of frozen into a 15 year old, um, mentality, uh, just with her brain injuries and also has now cancer. I don't know if she has it now, but got cancer from the many CT scans that she had. But they go around and just proclaim God's goodness in rescuing them from this tragedy of the car accident. And so we see kind of that similar idea from Hezekiah of praising God for what he has done on our behalf. I don't know where um, you are as you're listening to this, what situation you find yourself in, but if you have circumstances in your life that you desperately want God to change, that you've maybe prayed for years and years about a change and it just hasn't happened, I think that we can look at the story of Hezekiah and we can say, okay, what, what can we take away here when we're looking for a miracle? We don't chase after miracles. We don't chase after just the supernatural signs. Yes, those come when we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus. We chase after Jesus. And yes, when we do, we will see these things within um, woven in our everyday that we just really can't explain in the natural. Uh, but we don't chase after those things. We chase after Jesus. And when we do, we also just submit to his will, knowing that whatever he does on behalf is according to his will, his timing, his plan. He doesn't always grant us the healing or the miracle we want. But if we're praying about an issue and there is something that just keeps on popping up in our mind that we know we're to do, or we know at this moment as we're listening that maybe there's some unfinished business, some small little things that we really have intended to do, we haven't got to yet. This is just an encouragement to to step out and do those small small things that seem really not that important that we've kind of maybe shoved to the side and said, you know what, I, I've focused on this goal here. This isn't really that important. This is telling us, you know what, that a life of faith, when we do those small little breadcrumb steps and we follow after God, that really God, that's when God shows up on our behalf. It's not striving. It's not trying to earn something from God, but it's just acting in obedience and expecting God to do for us what we can't do on our own, but doing in our situation what we're able to do and what he directs us to do, knowing that he will take care of what we can't, right? He'll take care of the rest. I want to just end 
in prayer. Um, before I do, I just encourage you to tune in to the next few episodes because we're going to be continuing to talk about this idea of just looking at believing God's words are true and looking for his you know, activity in, in sort of our everyday. Let's pray. Dear Lord, um, some of us listening to this find ourselves in situations that are really challenging, that could be desperate. We may have lost hope. We may have been praying for something for a really long time, and we're hoping that you will show up. We're waiting expectantly, and yet, Lord, help us to know the small things that we need to do. Help us not to miss, be so focused on what it is that we want you to do for us that we're hoping will happen. Help us not to miss those small acts of faith. If we don't know at this moment what we're to do next, help it just to be clear to the people listening that next step that they're to take and help them to take that next step in faith, knowing that they can't necessarily change their circumstance or perform a miracle on their own behalf, but they can do the small thing that you ask and that they can Um, turn to you in whatever situation they find themselves in and hear from you and, and get the next step in their journey and attach themselves at times to a miracle when they simply take that step of faith, whatever it is, if they know in their situation something small they're supposed to do and they've just been putting it off, help them to do what it is they're supposed to do, Lord, knowing that you honor our acts of faith and that you respond when we act in obedience to you. We love you, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that for each one listening, that it just become clear to them what what it is you would have them do and just give them the encouragement and strength to do what it is you would have them to do. In Jesus' name, amen.